It's the boys from Homestand Sports, and they're here to bring you Puck Talks Toronto. Your host, Zach Cook, brings you the latest to date news. Ovechkin is so underrated. He's arguably going to go down as one of the greatest goal scorers of all time, not just this generation of all time. Well, Spencer Lucier breaks it down. If you want to go out there and you want to get a fringe number one centerman, I wouldn't have gone and spent your top prospect on someone that's a fringe, fringe centerman, right? What a luminescent night for Austin Matthews. Incredible. Four goals. The Buds are back. Welcome to Homestand Sports Puck Talks Toronto. I'm Zach Cook alongside Spencer Lucier and the Leafs. They're uh, they're putting together W's now. Uh, Nazem Kadri, two goals last night. Curtis McElhinney, I don't know what's in the water, but 39 saves in the Maple Leafs win against the Stars, a 4-1 victory. Spencer, what did you think of the game last night? It's uh, it's pretty interesting what what happens when you put a, a offensive threat like Mitch Marner on a, on a line where they just all of a sudden start getting things together. So I don't know. It, it definitely looks like a good start with that line, but that I don't know what the Leafs are doing now. That's different. But that was two big wins on the road before the All Star break. You know what was a little concerning to me was when Tyler Sagan scored before the end of the second period. And that kind of put a little uh, a doubt into the minds of Leafs fans. They only led 3-1 after two periods. Austin Matthews put the game on ice in the third. But, you know, just lately with the third periods that we've seen from this Toronto Maple Leafs team, it was a little scary to kind of go to, go in only up two goals into the final frame and have to, to put it up against a, a Dallas Stars team that has plenty of offensive threats. Definitely scary. And you see that how well the Leafs played in that game. It, it really took me off guard because I, I thought and I wrote about how they were going to go in there. Uh, Curtis McElhinney, his first start in 35 days. Uh, and they're, you know, they're the, the tired bunch out of the two team. And I thought they were just going to go in there with how well Dallas has been playing and get pumped. But it was different. The Leafs controlled majority of the play all night. And like you said, it was a little nervous times when Sagan put it in just before the uh, just before the end of the second. But yeah, they, like you said, they close it out in the third. Before we get to our fill-in-the-blanks, I'm going to ask you one question here. Should the Leafs have more than one All-Star? We're headed into All-Star weekend. Now the All-Star break's coming. So should the Leafs have more than one All-Star besides the obvious choice in Austin Matthews, who has 22 goals before the All-Star break? Yes, Frederick Anderson deserves to be there. I really think he's been a better goalie than Carey Price has all season, but it's just because of the, the numbers, and each team has to be represented by one person is why... Um, um, Frederick Anderson's not there and Carey Price is. So I, I really do think uh, Frederick Anderson d- deserves to be there. So there should be more Leafs at the All-Star game. No, I, I, I got to agree with you there. I, I think Carey Price is an All-Star, but this year he hasn't put up the All-Star numbers that we're, we're most oh. accustomed to. I think the injury has kind of put him back a bit and then just came out recently about the, what was it, the, the fatigue? Chronic, that I... chronic fatigue disorder or something he's always feeling tired now yeah that's a very strange thing for an NHL player especially when he was talking about how he eats properly he sleeps properly and all that stuff but to have that happen to him just kind of you can kind of see why there was a bit of a struggle in his game earlier in this season but regardless let's move on to our fill in the blank segment you want to you want to lead things off here Spencer yeah sure I'll go first uh so last yesterday I was reading uh and Drew Doughty has come out and said Matt Matthew Kachuk is probably the most hated player in hockey so I want to ask you, uh, barring Matt Kachuk, because, yeah, he is a little crap, but uh, Blank is the most hated player in hockey, Zach. There's so many people that come to mind, and it kind of bothers me that there's so many people that come to mind. I'm going to say, though, 
it's gonna get a lot of flack because we're in the Toronto market, but I just there's something about Nazem Kadri that just bothers the shit out of me, and it never really goes away. It just he's good at what he does. I'm not gonna discredit him for for the kind of player that he is. He's obviously a a, a talented National Hockey League player, but just the way he goes about his business and some of the shit that he puts up with. I remember earlier in the year when uh, basically if. I can't remember who pulled him away, but someone pulled him away from Shea Weber, and if he if that hadn't happened, he'd probably oh, be yeah. dead right now. Yeah, Jordy Ben was. Yeah, I think it was Jordy Ben. Yeah, and pulling him away. And from if, him. if that hadn't happened, we I don't I don't I don't think Nazem Kadri would be alive right now. Yeah, probably not. No, I I agree. Uh, for me, it's probably Brad Marchand or even that the guy that we saw last night, Anton Roussel. Oh, and that's a good yeah, choice. Apparently, as well. uh, like we saw him yesterday, the fight he had with with Connor Carrick. Uh, yeah, he's a, they're both little little shits, and uh, even Brad Marchand too. I mean, we just saw he got suspended once again for for another hit elbow to the head, his third elbow to the head suspension in his career. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much more. I, I posed a question last a couple weeks ago about Matt Kachuk and how many suspensions is too much. I think the same could be said for Brad Marchand. It's just so annoying with Marchand because he's such a talented hockey player, but you just can't take away the fact that he, just, he has so many bonehead decisions because you don't need to be sticking out a flying elbow in that circumstance. It doesn't add anything to your game. I get playing hard in the corners. I get all that, and you don't want to take away the edge of his game because that could make him a worse off player than what he is. And he's obviously like a top 10 scorer in the National Hockey League right now. So to, to say that he needs to change the way he plays is a little bit of a stretch, but he needs to cut down on the bullshit. Yeah, it, it could hurt his team too. I really think this could hurt. I mean, they played Ottawa last night and still won, but I really think his the him being out these five games can really disrupt the flow that these Boston Bruins have been on, you know, earning 18 straight points in, or 18 points in 18 straight games or something like that. So, I, I mean, I thought it could kind of ruin the flow of that, but we'll see. Okay, so the Carolina Hurricanes and Montreal Canadiens collided last night in a Thursday night tilt. Uh, I mean, what, what could get you more excited than that, right? But you know what? It actually turned out to be quite the hockey game. They combined for 11 goals in the contest, including five goals in under three minutes in that second frame. It was just incredible. The teams were just, Montreal would score two goals, and then Carolina would counter with another one and get back ahead. It just it made no sense. There was just so many goals in the game. It was, it was incredible. So I'm going to pose this question to you. The Habs and Hurricanes combining for five goals in under three minutes is more surprising than blank. It's more surprising than Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid showing any sort of emotion. And we saw in the last last week, Austin Matthews pointing towards the goal, saying that's the that counts. And and really, I mean, can't take Ma- that one away from no, me. No, exactly. <laughs> for Austin Matthews, I mean, we could see the puppet strings that Lou Lamorello and Brendan Shanahan control him with, right? So for me, I think him showing that type of emotion on the ice was really shocking. And then even last night too, we saw that Connor McDavid had uh, he flew by the net, hit hit Riddich, and then. Uh, it, it was a disallowed goal, but then in the shootout when he scored, he went over to the ref and said, you want to check upstairs for that to see if that was a good goal. So f- to see these two guys uh, showing any type of emotion is as surprising as the Carolina Hurricanes and Montreal Canadiens scoring five goals in three minutes, in under three minutes. I'm willing to bet that McDavid at least showed a little emotion on his 21st birthday in Vegas. You know, <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to see a little more film from that night because... I, I'm telling you this much. I, I want to get a beer with Connor McDavid. Uh, so, I just I, w- I want to shoot the shit with him. I want to talk a little bit, see what kind of kind of treatment he gets as a superstar in the National Hockey League. That would be a fun time for sure. I'm sure they he took down Vegas uh, al- along with Patty Maroon by his side. And, uh, I, I still don't get that. That doesn't make any sense to me. But 
it's the oldest kid to come to a bir- to a birthday, right? Like, you know, <laughs> just look at the, 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 the age difference. It's like having, when you're 10 years old, it's having like a 23-year-old uh, at your birthday party. It's and in all weird. those photos, there's a guy on the right side that just, we don't know who he is. And no it's idea. still bothering us. So if anyone of our listeners knows who the guy on the right is in all those photos, uh, let us know at Puck Talks Live. Uh, your question? Okay. So my uh, second question is, if you were to add... Another event to the All Star NHL All Stars competition. Blank would be your event. I can I be like can I kind of joke around a bit with this or does if it do you, have to be like a you know a what the answer. NHL All Star game needs any sort of uh, any sort of joke thing to get it back into uh, into some popularity. So, so I'm trying to think anything of anything you want, man. I'm trying to think of how many players are on are going to be at the All Star game. Is it what what is it like thirty six? Oh God, I don't know. Something like that. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna throw out there that number. Just let's say it's okay. Wait, there's. No, we we cannot yeah, do no, this math. <laughs> not on air. Not we're not math. We're not math majors. But regardless, I'm gonna say we do a uh, 18 on 18 game of flip cup on the ice, and just every wow, single player has to be involved in that, and the whole train has to be involved. So just picture every single player Jesus. like doing that. I think that would be incredible uh, TV. I mean, it's never gonna happen, obviously, but that would be just some incredible stuff to to witness for sure yeah well see i was i was thinking about maybe incorporating a little bit of the kids Actual in hockey. here so maybe <laughs> not maybe not the the drinking game there but there was a there was a game on the uh, on new year's day uh, over in japan where it was three professional soccer players taking on 100 kids for for charity <laughs> so it was just really cool to see how 100 kids were just all tackling trying to get the ball off of the one professional player and there's three others. I actually so, saw that. Now yeah. I'm trying to think of it. That was actually a really funny video. So, I mean, well. that would be that pretty a... funny to kind of get uh, some some kids in there for some charity or, you know, give them a cool experience like that and incorporate something like that. That would be my event for I'm me. I'm trying but... to think of, like, a more serious answer that would actually have to do with hockey. But, like, they kind of I, – I don't really pay that much attention to it. They don't really do the greatest job of uh, making it fan entertaining worthy yeah. just because – it's the, the National Hockey League is just so like monotone. There's no, you're not allowed to be the guy that shows emotion when, when it happens when a when a guy like PK Subban dresses up as a Yager and does that. That's the like the biggest peak of like. But at the NBA All Star Game, you're gonna see so many things that just like surprise you and like. It, so it just it's been PK Subban and Alex Ovechkin that are the only personalities that have been at the All Star Game in the last ten years that have made it any type of entertainment and so. it's a disappointment because you're trying to grow the game and the way to do that is by allowing these players to show off their personalities and regardless the national hockey league just doesn't see it that way it's all about the just being proper and that's that's kind of what bugs me about the nhl in general but my uh second question to you uh it happened again last night with the the connor mcdavid situation in overtime so uh we saw it with austin matthews earlier in the week and then nick schmaltz uh against the leafs as well so the NHL replay system is more unreliable than blank. Okay, I'm changing your question just right now just because I feel like it. But it's the NHL replay system is more untrustworthy than a drunk person. Because honestly, I would rather give my, my phone, my, all my expensive things to a drunk person uh, for the night than have more of these calls being called by the NHL replay system. I mean, they, they it's so inconsistent between each call. It's like they have their own person doing each different game. And each person has their own way of what an offside is or what a goal it goal is or when to take it back. So for me, I think uh, it's more it, the NHL uh, replay system is untrustworthy uh, than a drunk person. You know what? It's uh, it, it kind of made me think because you say it like that, but when when someone's drunk, they usually speak the truth. So 
I don't know. Yeah, I'm, a little, but, I'm a little conflicted with that. Uh, but there's no consistency. Answer, there's no I consistency guess, yeah. in any of their actions, and and they continue to continue to make an ass of themselves at the bar or wherever they are. And the NHL replay system, we've been talking about it for the last month month and a half, and they continue to make these terrible judgment calls. That was kind of like, like you at the, person. That was kind of like you at the last uh, puck talks event. You had a few too many uh, wobbly what? pops, and uh, no, nah, I'm, I'm allergic. I'm just, How <laughs> can you say that? Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, uh, Spencer had some uh, unfortunate news about alcohol lately. But uh, regardless, we're gonna move on to the. We're gonna we're gonna implement a little uh, new system here for this episode. It's gonna be the TSN top thirty trade bait players. We're gonna welcome in Haley Ferguson to join us and discuss where we think some of these players will land this uh, trade deadline, as well as we're going to discuss what the the price might be you have to pay for some of these talents. Uh, it's an interesting trade board. We saw a guy like Jordan Cairo, one of uh, the St. Louis Blues prospects, get added to the list. We saw him star for Team Canada at the World Junior Tournament. Just what a speedy, shifty playmaker he is, and he's going to be a, a star in the National Hockey League one day. But it's interesting that St. Louis added him to their uh potential trade board, I guess you could he's, say, because he's a, he's a young player, but they have so much prospect depth that you you know one of those guys is going to have to go if they're going to add a, a score. He's ranked pretty high, too, uh, 13th out of 30. So, I mean, there there should be some interest with him. And, and obviously, he had a great showcase uh, at the, the junior tournament for Canada. Okay, so let's stick on the party train here. We're going to start with number one, and, of course, that's uh, Mr. Las Vegas himself, <laughs> Evander Kane. Our uh, favorite. He's our, a hot topic on this he, podcast. He comes he up at least— He might be mentioned every podcast. Yeah, at least 50% of the podcast, <laughs> I it's think true. Evander Kane has, has come up at least once. So uh, he's 26 years old. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent after this season. Uh, 16 goals this year, 36 points in 48 games. Where is he a fit moving forward? I see that as St. Louis. I see that the the Cairo trade. Yeah. Interesting. I think they they need that little just a little extra scoring touch because we've seen like I know every year it seems like St. Louis is in it but can never complete it. And this is a year I think they really have a shot at it, and they want as much scoring talent as they can get. And they're I think they'd be willing to, you know, uh, I'm with take ha- the risk. I'm with Haley. I think I think it's St. Louis. I think they need an impact. They need an impact winger again. I mean they rely too much on that first line with with. Schwartz, who's injured right now, but Shen and Tarasenko, uh, and that they need a little bit more secondary help. And either a guy like Vander Kane or Max Pacioretty would be a fit in St. Louis, but you'd have to think Jordan Kyrou is the top prospect going the other way. The Blues, to me, remind me of the Washington Capitals of the West. They're, just, they're always in the mix to be in the Stanley Cup, but they never really go that route, and they just they always disappoint in the postseason. So, uh, Haley, number two is actually an interesting name. I'm kind of surprised he's he's this high up on the rankings, but Patty Maroon, uh, number two on the list, uh, left winger, 29 years old. He's got a salary of uh, $1.5 million. UFA after this year, 26 points in 46 games. Uh, do they move Patty Maroon? Mr. Vegas himself, too. <laughs> yeah, well, just a bunch of Vegas stars at the top of his list here. Uh, it's a common theme, so... I know we're titling this episode. You know what? I think they see that it's so hard to tell because I feel like Oilers fans right now do not want Shirelli to make any moves. Like at this point, it's it's a write-off season. Don't even make any moves. But I feel like Shirelli might be enticed to try and get another demon out of him. Maybe him and a a prospect or something because the Oilers have enough picks where they don't really they they don't need prospects down the line anymore. They need guys right now. So, but. So hard to say with Maroon and and, and Shirelli. You never know what, what Shirelli's thinking. Yeah, for me, for me, Maroon needs to be moved. I mean, you already have basically Lucic and Maroon as the same 
type oh, of players. And Lucic was taking it last night with the booing at home. Yeah. So somebody's got to go. Well, One of those two have to go. And he and so Maroon. Maroon's 1.5. He's obviously going to want a pay increase considering the last couple of seasons he had obviously playing alongside Connor oh, yeah. McDavid he's not helps a, he's his value. He's not an Oiler next year for sure, but yeah, so that's why. It, because yeah. he's not going to be an Oiler Might next well year, that something for him. Chirelli needs to make the move and, and, and get at least, yeah, like you said, something, a, a draft pick or, or anything at this point. If if you know you're not going to re-sign yeah. him. Because for me, it kind of seems irrelevant to sign him if you already have the same player in Lucic. Yeah, and they, and they need younger talent yeah. right now. They don't need prospects, but they need younger talent. Do you know what I mean? And we all know how much uh, general managers value that kind of a jam player that can kind of go up and down the lineup, and that's kind of what Patrick Maroon's done with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So and he's uh, been unreal with when him and McDavid are together. Like that's a good pairing. I feel like I could play well with McDavid. I wonder that's if true. Like, he makes like, everybody yeah, look. He's good, just but... such a talented player. Like just watching him go out there and create plays out of nothing with like. Thinking of Patrick Maroon three years ago having this much of an impact on a team is just like you, you wouldn't have thought that, right? But this, at the same token, like I think it also takes some like somebody specific to do very well with McDavid because he thinks at such a different speed and he is at such a different speed. Like there's been a few guys they put with him and they just look lost and confused and dazed. Like they still look, it still looks like a good line because it's McDavid. I have but... a good comparison. Chris Kunitz with Crosby. Yeah, I think there that's we go. a that's a very accurate. Who made the Olympic team yeah. because of Crosby? I think yeah. that oh, yeah. like, <laughs> you need like with Crosby, it was it's he's such a talented player, but you needed to have someone that fit well with him, and Chris yeah. Kunitz just fit well with him. It it doesn't mean he has he was on par with his skill. It just means that they and I they think that's worked well Patrick together. Maroon with McDavid, but he you can't have Lucci Jan Maroon. And Maroon, yeah. So Mike Green is the the top defenseman on the board, a right handed D man, obviously always valuable, thirty two years old, six million cap hit. He's a UFA after this season. He's got a no trade clause though. That might uh, have some interest to some teams. Though. 26 points in 47 games, five goals on the year. He's uh, he's always got that blistering point shot. Uh, teams looking to add an offensive D-man that can play big minutes. Uh, who who are you guys looking at here? Is this maybe the Maple Leafs calling? It, it, it looks like the Maple Leafs calling, but I, I'm going to pick two other teams ahead of the Maple Leafs. I think uh, a reunion in Washington could be a very realistic yeah. opportunity uh, for for Mike Green or uh, a team like Boston now. Uh, no Charlie McAvoy for for a little bit with with his heart procedure, uh, and they're always looking to to get some depth. So to get a experienced guy like that, a puck moving defenseman, I think uh, either Boston Bruins or a reunion with the Washington Capitals is more likely than uh, the Toronto move. Well, I I agree with those moves. I like those, but I I do think he could, and it's a pretty good fit in Toronto. I mean, okay, we break it down. Jake Gardner and Morgan Riley are supposed to be like the top the top young guys with potential. Morgan Riley is having a fantastic year because of Ron Hainsey, because he's kind of accountable to the older guy. You see so many clips of Hainsey just barking at Morgan where to be. And I feel like, I, I don't think Mike Green is the exact same fit, but I feel like he's an older guy that maybe could play with Jake Gardner, help direct him a little bit more because Gardner's never had that guy. If, if Gardner wants to kind of, you know, copy his style yeah. of game too, which he we we see him dancing around. You, you know, see shifting, him wanting sk- to, wanting to be like a Mike Green. It would be a perfect compliment for an older guy to help coach this this exactly. guy. But we got to see if that's the type of person Mike Green is. So, with that being said, let's say the Maple Leafs do acquire Mike Green. What kind of price do you think they're paying? Because he is an unrestricted free agent, but he's obviously Detroit's most valuable trade ship. 
It'd have to be like a Levo and a couple of picks because I I really don't think they're going to be trying to move Kapanen anymore. Uh, I think him coming into the lineup now and showing what he can do on the fourth line, I think he has made himself less expendable to the Leafs. So a guy like Levo, uh, and, and who knows what else they have down in the system too. I feel that, like that's, that's not enough though. Like I, I, I understand the what you're trying well, to do behind that, but I feel like you have to give to get and you're I, you're adding a top three defenseman in a Mike Green and that's a valuable commodity in this in this NHL. No, for uh, yeah, you you'll need you'll need to obviously increase that th- uh that price, but for Red Wings team that uh, has been struggling. They they don't really have that offensive game yet. They have those uh, Mantha and Larkin. They have the pieces. Ath- Athanasiu. They've got some nice young core pieces going. But another guy, another scorer like Levo. Um, I mean, maybe Kapanen is the guy. Then I think if, it, if, I think if, it's if more likely that would be my that would be my saying because I think he deserves that chance to like thrive in like a top six role because we all know he has that that skill level to do so and. Mike, it just seems like it could be a fit, but then I just, again, I just think Lou and, and Brendan won't make a, won't pull a trigger on I'm, a deal I'm the like same that, way with that for, though. for a 32 year old for for half of a season. I, yeah, I just no don't think they're gonna. Decisions. Yeah, I just don't think because quite frankly, they're still accelerating in their big Shanna mm-hmm. plan, right? So they're not really. They've told the the fan base, oh yeah, it's gonna be a couple of years of struggling, but they've only had one year of struggling, right? So they kind of have some grace period here yeah. where. They're not rushing themselves. Wasn't right? it Shanahan not... that said this is a five-year plan that changes every day? Yeah. So, so uh, did Mark Bergevin. But um, <laughs> well, anyways, he, uh, he makes a change. But uh, I, I'm, just, I, I'm still under the assumption that the Leafs are going to end up standing pat at the deadline. Yeah, maybe adding that, like a depth me. defenseman. Maybe someone like that can step in if there's an injury or something. But regardless, I don't really see them adding like a, a high-end player like a Mike I Green. I think if they do, that's the guy. But yeah, I no, don't I could, see any yeah, other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Uh, moving forward here, Mike Hoffman is number four on the trade board. Doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. He's still got two years. He's got a an interesting no trade clause. I, I believe it's uh, limited, but he has two years left, 30 points this year in 46 games, uh, a cap hit of $5.19 million. Uh, I don't move that player if I'm Ottawa personally, but because you're, you're, at the end of the day, you're going to be looking to replace him with the exact same kind of player in the draft, so it doesn't really make any sense to me. He's so young still that it just... 28 years old. He's hitting his prime. I'm not. I'm not moving him as well. I think uh, for 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 the Ottawa Senators, you went out and traded for Matt Duchesne, and he hasn't. Re- he starting to hit his stride where you wanted him to be when you made the deal, but he has gone hand in hand with Mike Hoffman, and I don't understand it, why Ottawa would trade the best person that Matt Duchesne has gained the chemistry with away. Uh, after a couple of weeks, right? So for me, uh, Mike Hoffman's staying in Ottawa. For whatever reason, Guy Boucher doesn't seem to like Hoffman, and I'm not really exactly sure why. We've seen him like but, go down the lineup consistently. It doesn't really make a, a ton of sense. But who's there in Ottawa longer? Yeah. It's yeah. a good question. Yeah. Definitely an interesting question. Who wins because, that battle? <laughs> because a lot of people are saying Guy Boucher's act runs tired after a few years because he's such a vocal coach that the players just eventually start to tune him out, and I think we, we kind of already we started seeing, seeing that, that this year. Exactly. So... uh Anyways, I, I I don't really see Hoffman getting moved, but he is a he is a valuable trade chip if they do want to do something moving forward. Uh, Max Pacioretty, number five on the trade board, uh, four point five million dollar cap hit, uh, one of the best contracts in the NHL. One year remaining Absolutely. after this one, uh, only twenty nine points uh, in forty eight games this year, but he's heating up lately. Uh, he's one of the streakiest players in the National Hockey League, but uh, I think any team would love to add him to the mix. Uh, Spencer, do you think he uh, he think he gets moved? Yeah, uh, I really do think he's going to get moved. I think Mark Bergevin is a different type of general manager than, say, Pierre Dorian, who we compared Mike Hoffman to uh, just 
seconds ago. I think uh, Mark Bergman does pull the uh, trigger on this. And I think he's really valuable, especially, like you said, he's been heating up now, which is kind of increasing his trade value, making him more desi- more desirable to different teams. So, uh, like I said, a, a possible fit is, uh, is um, oh, Jesus. St. Louis. St. Louis, yeah. St. But Louis. where where else could potentially we see him go if there's a, if there's another fit? Like, what other market might make sense to him that's looking to add a uh, a top scorer like Pacioretty? I'm trying to like. I can see Columbus of, too. Like, I mean, I mean, Columbus. Hypothetically, yeah. But what do you in such a crowded metropolitan division? Yeah, Panarin has definitely helped. But once again, they rely so much on that first line. Look at Pierre Luc Dubois, this 19 year old step up and and has become their number one center, right? And which has. Wasn't going to be the plan this year. And Josh Anderson, where did he come from? But he's proven to be such a big commodity for that team. And my fantasy team. And my – me too. Nice. I'll talk uh, about <laughs> um, so, uh, But, yeah, I think uh, for Columbus, they need another impact player. If they want to really separate themselves, they're second place right now. But if they want to really separate themselves, they have to get a score like Pacioretty. And Torts. Why he would love a veteran American guy like oh, yeah. that? But you mentioned that. But at the the at the World Cup of Hockey, uh, him and Patrick had a little beef, and they weren't but exactly seen eye to eye. I I uh, don't Torch think it likes would... that. I feel no, like. I, I feel like he does like that. He likes a guy that challenges him. And no, I do. I do think I that do would like be that a, a good fit, though. But I, I wonder what a, I wonder what the price would be. But I also wonder at the same time if Bergevin has the capacity to make that trade now because he's obviously on the rocks. Does Jeff Molson give him I, the ability to make a deal that could change the franchise? I, ju- well, I mean, well, we saw the, yeah. obviously we saw the Subban trade, but I'm saying he he's a lot closer to being on his way out now than he was way back when they traded Subban because they made the playoffs right, the year right, after right, that. Right. So obviously he's closer now to being yeah, taken away. I, I mean, for for Jeff Molson too, uh, he obviously he doesn't like his own you know business failing like this, right? And I think for for him, he's got to fix fix this and by fixing this yeah let Bergevin continue to do this but I I think for Pat Pacioretty it would be more important for the for the Canadians to trade him try at this deadline now so that they have a the other team has a playoff push and a full year afterwards where he's controlled by the team instead of just having the one year and a fresh season right where injuries can be a factor or whatever the case may be but I think it would be he would get uh, the Canadians and Bergman would get more from their return if they were, he was to go at the deadline. He's a lease, not a rental. Exactly. That's a, that's a good way to put it. I, I think it's either going to be he's potentially traded at the deadline, but he also could be moved at the draft. We'll see what happens uh, with Pacioretty in the near future with Montreal. Number six on the list, Thomas Vanek of Vancouver. He's putting together a quietly a good year, 14 goals, 35 points. But we saw him be a rental in the past right. for teams. Uh, he's a UFA after this year. Only a two million dollar cap, and I think that's going to be attractive to some teams. Uh, do you guys see Vanek getting moved? No, I want to move to number seven on the list. I don't want to talk about Thomas Vanek because... at, at a trade deadline because <laughs> he, honestly, when he went to Montreal, he did nothing afterwards, and he was supposed to be the biggest fish on this trade trade deadline bait list or whatever. I feel like that's a thing for him. He has ago. a good ha- first half. He gets traded, and he's like, "I'm do- yeah, uh, I'm good." So I'm not I'm not talking about Vanek <laughs> and the trade deadline. And we we saw last year at the deadline, anyways. Why am I? Why is it escaping me? The Canucks general manager Jim Banning. Um, he 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 screwed up the deadline last year, and he didn't trade his uh pending unrestricted free agents, and we obviously saw the Canucks uh closer to the bottom of the league then so it kind of wonder you you wonder if they're Jim, even gonna Jim pull Bennett the trigger not gonna make any moves yeah i just i i, I things don't. are going too well for him right now considering where they were supposed to be he's not making any moves number we're gonna go all the way up to number 10 here number seven on the list uh we're back in montreal again alex galchenyuk the 23 year old interesting case uh 4.9 million dollar cap hit 28 points in 48 games uh two years remaining on the deal 
Personally, I think he's more likely to be moved than Max Pacioretty, but I also think it would be a bigger mistake if they move Galchenyuk over Pacioretty. Yeah, I'm I'm opposite with the first thing you said. I think it's Pacioretty that's going to be more likely to move than Galchenyuk, and I do think it's more of a mistake if Galchenyuk goes than Pacioretty because he is, he is the younger player for Montreal. They they want to try and get rid of uh, develop this core again, and that core would be Galchenyuk and Drouin on offense. Uh, so for me, I don't say and Dallin on defense, right? That makes, yeah, that's yeah, right. Fail so, for so. Dallin. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think it would be a bigger mistake for him to for Bergevin to move Galchenyuk at this point. Yeah. If yeah, why, why is he even on? Like, why is he on every trade list? There's ever. just he's always ever. under so much scrutiny. He's had a few issues with the media in the sense that uh, there's been a few scandals about him that have come out, and that's why players uh, always uh, have an issue sometimes playing in Montreal, and that's that's always been a problem for the Montreal and their media. But uh, Alex Galchenyuk, obviously a very talented player in the NHL, uh, former third overall pick, still has a bunch of potential. He's a former 30-goal scorer in the NHL, so I think it would be a mistake to see yeah. Montreal move on from him. Number eight on the list, uh, Mikhail Grabner in New York, uh, 30 years old, uh, only a cap of $1.65 million, 25 points in 48 games. He's a UFA after this year. Another cheap rental that adds some speed up and down the lineup. Cheap rental. When, when you were reading this guy's cap hit again, I'm like, why does this guy keep selling himself short all the time? We see him bounce around from team to team. We saw him with the Leafs. We saw him with the Rangers. He keeps undervaluing himself. He The guy, he used to score 30 goals in the season too. And now we see him here at a million dollars again. If For me, if, if I'm a GM of a team, I'm trying to go for him. He's speed, penalty killer, and he's the perfect fit for, for a playoff team. Rounding out the top 10 here, we have Zach Smith in Ottawa and Ryan McDonough with the New York Rangers. Uh, I wonder if either of those guys get moved. Uh, Zach Smith still has three years remaining on his contract at $3.25 million. I thought that was a mistake when they signed it, and I still think that's a mistake. So And having no move clause. I think it'll be a little interesting <laughs> to see if they can move that deal. Uh, Ryan McDonough probably will be a hot commodity for the, the New York Rangers. Uh, no goals this year, but 22 uh, assists on the campaign in 44 games. One year remaining after this one. I think that'll be an interesting decision for a team to potentially add a top four defenseman into the mix. We know he can be a lot better than he has been this year in the past. He's shown he can he can carry the load on defense. But then you have some... And I don't know why. Why the hell is James Neal on this list? Yeah, see... What the I, hell? I I just, just, I'm looking I, at this now. Why is James Neal on the list? Because he's been on the list since, day, like, since they <laughs> but, acquired see, him. Is it because so he's pricing out? Like, is it because they're not they're going to be able to afford him? I don't really understand why he's on the list. Him and David Perron are on the list. And I don't think any... Uh, Vegas... Their plan has changed too, just like the Leafs. Yeah. I don't think they're selling at all. I mean, yeah, they've they, you know, they loaded up with uh, unrestricted free agents for at the expansion draft to for this purpose at the deadline to sell them off. But now they're winning. I don't think they well, they go. And I feel like James Neal has been on the tr- this the trade uh, deadline the, like uh, even last list. year. <laughs> well, even like when they first acquired him at the expansion draft, they're like, oh, that's a guy you trade at the deadline, so you have to have him on that list. Yeah, you know I what I mean? He, like, I don't think he moves though. I mean, they just resigned Marsh, so Marsh so would have been up there too if he didn't resign. So I think he resigns. So that was the top ten, and uh, there's a few other interesting names there in the mix. Uh, a guy like Rick Nash obviously has the the pedigree in the past, but a seven point eight million dollar cap at UFA after the season. A team would probably have to retain if they were to add him. Then you have guys like Andrew Shaw in the mix, four years remaining, uh, looking down the list. Jack Johnson yeah. likely to be moved as well. He wants out. He wants out. He, well, 
The, did, the did, comments with Torts were interesting. I kind of respected that they had that they kind of settled that interesting situation. Did you see that clip of the LA Kings writer? I don't think I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, you guys would have had a, a reaction for that. This is a clip that's gone viral in Oilers Nation. A LA Kings writer for their website suggested that the Oilers make a trade for Jack Johnson and then move him up to winger. What? That is a real. This guy's played defense his whole <laughs> NHL career. That is career. a real thing that happened on the LA Kings broadcast the other day. I think night. I'm. I think I'm done with podcasting, so I'm gonna log <laughs> off and uh, I'm just gonna go throw out my uh, microphone well, and just. Uh, didn't Jack Johnson retire. play for the Kings before? Like, yeah, did, that, did, did it not absolutely. work out on defense there? Just and, uh, I don't. I don't forward? even understand why they were talking about it, but he that is a thing they talked about. Plays upwards of 20 minutes a night. He's a veteran guy, 31 years old. Uh, Gonna be a UFA after this year. We all know the controversy that happened with his parents and the the debt and all that. So that's a a sad, a bit of a sad story. And hopefully, you can cash in again and get some money. Better fit for the Leafs than than Mike Green here, uh, Jack Johnson. Less value. I mean, he wants out of Columbus. They're gonna try and trade him right to accommodate him, and less value goes the other way for the Leafs. And you have to be no, he's gonna be so motivated. Like you, you you mentioned about his parents. You mentioned about his parents, but that's been a big thing that he wants to make as much money as he can, and he said that. And then you have guys like Dion Phaneuf, uh, an annual candidate on the on the trade list. <laughs> you look, you look, you have a comment. You have yeah, your hand I, up, Spencer. I, I, so I, I, I don't know if this is a classroom. I, I'd like to ahead. talk about the goalies here. There's two goalies right at the bottom. Well, I mean, if I'm Vancouver, <laughs> I, I'm I'm kind of looking at one of these guys just as like a, a bit of a filler. Obviously, it's not being done well in. Uh, Nobody's with Markstrom or, Nobody's or Nielsen now. And I think, uh, you know, Robin Leonard could be a, a you know, a hot commodity for them. He, he's played some games, started some games. For Vancouver, they need someone until Demko shows up, if he's going to be the guy. And even Petr Mrazek. I mean, the guy's been, you know, Detroit. They don't know what they're doing with their <laughs> goaltenders. It's Jimmy Howard one night, Petr Mrazek the other. So, I mean, for these cheap goalies, they could help out for for the Canucks for next year or even the Islanders now who, I mean, Halak's not doing it. <laughs> we'll definitely uh, see what happens with these uh, with the trade deadline upcoming here in the National Hockey League. You have a guy like Tyson Berry, number 30 on the list. Uh, the Leafs may have some injuries, but he's too similar to, to Jake Gardner for me to, to kind of add him to the mix. But uh, you know what? That's kind of all we have for you oh. today on Puck Talks. Uh, I'm Zach Cook. Once again, uh, we're thankful for all our listener base, and uh, we, we'll continue to put I... out content for you on Monday. We actually have a, a new segment being added to the mix. We're going to be having a Monday show and a Friday show now. The Monday one is going to be a, a fantasy-focused show where we're going to talk fantasy hockey, and we're also going to add in a few gambling picks as well to the mix and just kind of get you enlightened on, on that front because we know you want more content, and we're going to provide you more content here on Homestand Sports. So for Haley Ferguson, Spencer Lucier, I'm Zach Cook, and we're out. Make sure you follow at Puck Talks Live. And don't forget about the boys at Zach Cook CSM and Spenny Lou CSM. Puck Talks is back February 15th at Rivoli. Chris Johnson is your headliner. Well, Daniel Emanuel will be your host once again. Follow at Puck Talks Live and get your tickets on homestand.com.